Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome, everybody, to episode uh, Steve insert number here of The Wretched Hive, because we are so excited to be here, and we can't believe we've made it all the way to episode number Steve insert number here one more time, because we are maybe episode 178. Recording, recording yeah. professionals. Are you sure? It, it may sure? be episode 178. I don't think so. I think that's lies. <laughs> Uh, we are here to talk about uh, WandaVision, actually. Episode number three just dropped Friday, January the 22nd, as we record this uh, podcast here. And joining us today is just myself, Greg Lent, the Wiki Copilot, and Dave, do not under any circumstances ever, should you ever have any ever. inclination to do so, never do it, Potter. Did ever, I get all ever, that? Ever. Yeah, you did. Good job. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. Doing good the song to be here. Fly. Was a stressful good. morning already? We're doing good. <laughs> Only stressful in the fact that technology apparently hates me this morning. But, you know, usually we re- record during the evenings, and I think that's much better for me, much better for my equipment, uh, and much better for the listening audience. What do you think, Dave? I, I think that's true, and I think we should rename your equipment Scott Ivansky because I think your equipment and Scott have a lot of things in common with how well they work in the morning. <laughs> I was going to say only works at night. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Very good. So, Dave, you've watched episode three of WandaVision. I've watched episode three of WandaVision. Uh, do we want to give a high level? Steve likes to start with a high level talk about things. Um, so before we get into a scene by scene, uh, well, quasi scene by scene breakdown, what are your first uh, high level thoughts after seeing episode three? So my high level thought, first, I want to double back for a high level thought about episode one and two to set up my reaction to episode three. Fair enough. Which was that uh, I have been reading since episode one and two dropped so many things about this is an Easter egg. This isn't an Easter egg. This is a clue for the future. It would make QAnon people tear their hair out and scream, you guys are reading too much into it. And I was actually kind of dreading going into episode three a little bit. So I'm like, oh, my God, if it's just everything is, is potentially something meta, I don't know if I can I can take that feels like it would get in the way of enjoying the show. And so thankfully, I did not have that reaction at all. I felt like this was actually a a more straight ahead, straightforward, like here's a mystery and something weird is happening episode than we got with the other two. So I I really genuinely enjoyed it. You know, I, I have to agree with you. And I, I threw out that comment last week to you guys as I was out of town and couldn't join the, uh, the broadcast uh, because I had that same feeling to it. There are so many people talking about the clues of the Grim Reaper. Um, You threw out there something uh, referencing issue 238 of the Avengers. There's a reference to issue number 57 of the Avengers. And all of these things, while possibly valid, bring nothing to the show at all other than a, oh, look at that for people who are comic book fans. And I think that's a horrible way to build a TV show. So I also looked at this from a different perspective this week and just tried to not concentrate on that stuff because 
in the overall scheme of these things, 90% of those references aren't going to impact the show at all. So um, this was a better show this week as far as moving the story along, and I was happy to see that. And yeah, I, I don't think we need to go so far into the weeds. Well, we can because this is kind of what we do. Um, and if Scott was here, <laughs> I'm sure Scott's got a list of 50 things that he wants to talk about. How the 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 store facing to the left for or for, to the right for half of the show means something. But uh, for the rest of the people listening, I'm I'm glad we can just move on and find out what the fuck is actually going on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Because to your point, like there were so many things that we were seeing in the first two episodes, and I'm like, this, you know, there were things. It's like, okay, it's clearly not accidental, but does it mean something or is it throwaway? And yeah. then there were so many other things. It's like, oh, that's there. Could it mean something? Could it not mean something? And it just, it, it. I, I appreciate and respect that Marvel does throw these things in for us. Like mm-hmm. the the number fifty seven on the helicopter. I know that's in there for a reason, and it's just a, mm-hmm. a wink and a nod to those of us who who know things about comic books. Yeah. But if they're really constructing a whole thing, I read a theory on how the the watch hands were like a flag semaphore spelling out X Men. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, if this is what we're getting down to, I might be out at this point. <laughs> so I was I was thankful that you know I'm watching episode three, and the biggest thought that kept going through my head was, wow, they nailed the Brady Bunch house like yeah. so good, like they made it such a clear homage without it looking like they were ripping off the Brady Bunch house. Yes. So let's let's start there with the show proper. So we get another new theme song for the show this week. This one clearly inspired by Brady Bunch, Partridge Family, those kind of shows. Um, And we are clearly in the 70s era of TV sitcoms at this point. Uh, and primarily, I think, um, referencing Brady much, even with the the setup of the backyard as well. When when Vision's building mm-hmm. his swing set, that's clearly sets up what was the Brady Bunch backyard uh, that we've all known and loved uh, as we were young children watching that show. Um, so we start with Wanda pregnant. And one thing that I've learned, and I don't know if you knew this, Dave, is that all of it. Well, and I think it is it is. Pretty, but pretty well spelled out is Wanda's only been pregnant for a few hours. Yes, I, and I, I'm glad that's where you're going with it because I thought you were going to talk that you learned how babies were made from that episode and that was really <laughs> going to bother me. No, Wanda's only been pregnant for a few hours. So this show is taking place, you know, in almost real time. It's not like that she's, you know, experiencing this these weird sitcoms in some kind of extended reality this is all moving very quickly here. And I and I'm I'm glad that while I it feels like the show so far has taken forever for me in as far as the characters, it is going very quickly. So I was glad to see that. That means we're going to actually get to the point of a story here. Within the next episode, I think we'll actually get some story proper. Um so we start out she's pregnant. Um Vision in the credits built the scene or built built the swing set and they had that scene where they're out both on the swings where you can see uh, Paul Bettany's skin underneath this costume. They actually left that in the uh, in the show, so good on them for leaving the continuity breaks in there. So <laughs> <laughs> that that's very consistent with the '70s uh, superhero themed TV show, though. Is there would be something just obvious, like a, a man in a gorilla outfit chloroforming the superhero or something like that? <laughs> you know, that's 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 fairly accurate because you know. <laughs> 
I do remember Andre the Giant back in the six million dollar man days, dressing up as as Sasquatch or whatever he was, and and just clearly being a. Uh, and then there's the, of course the, the the very famous scene of the Hulk throwing a bear. <laughs> Good old Lou Ferrigno tossing a, a bear through the sky. So absolutely, uh, we have an appearance from a Doctor Nielsen. Um, talking about going away to Bermuda, which may or may not come up again. Um, but they, I wonder if Bermuda is anything like Tahiti for Tahiti. fans of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking of, is because you know Tahiti was where people went away to in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. T- TV show. And on this one, uh, the Doctor's going away to, Ber- to Bermuda. And then we have them uh, discussing names of the children, and they're, and they're kind of arguing between Billy and Tommy. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, but aren't Billy and Tommy the names of Wanda's kids in the comic books? Are those the yes. actual? Those, those are the actual names. And, uh, you know, I, I've alluded to it before. The the Steve Englehart uh, Vision in the Scarlet Witch series from 85, 86, that was my first exposure to the characters. That was one of the first comic book series that I read. That's the one where she gave birth to the twins. So that that was a that was a fun little, you know, feels moment for me. Like, oh, my God, this thing from my childhood is now on television it's it's the real thing it's a big deal everybody in the world is watching it not yeah. just me as this 10 year old kid reading a comic book that i you know bought at the super duper market for 75 cents <laughs> the 85 series and and i'm gonna get a little comic book series comic book weird on on people listening that was the 12 issue second series not the four issue first series right that is correct, sir. Okay. The so four-issue that... first series was written by Bill Mantlo and I believe Roger Stern, and the 12-issue maxi-series I'm referencing was written by Steve Englehart, yeah. who was responsible for marrying Vision and the Scarlet Witch in his original Avengers run in the 70s. Yeah. So that is also where I first became aware of them also, and I have that uh, – I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have that full comic book run in my collection um, – and I, and I want to make sure we were talking about the same one, because I do remember that being a, a an actually a really fun series uh, and and just kind of kind of kind of weird, kind of kind not really spooky, not as spooky as it seems as where this show is going. But, you know, it, it it really made Vision one of my one of my early favorite characters when I was reading comics in the in the mid 80s as a as a teenager. So I'm glad that they get some play here. It. It actually made Scarlet Witch one of my favorite characters, just from a, a sequence in the first issue where she uh, tells Henry Gyrinch, uh, you know, hey, I modified my costume, went back to wearing long evening gloves. And then she goes, hope you like them. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor comes. Uh, as we mentioned before, they determine that, uh, that well, physically, um, it appears that Scarlet Witch is about uh, four or five months pregnant. Uh, she's really only a few hours pregnant hours pregnant and that's very concerning to vision but they they press on and 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 scarlet witch just just or, or wanda just presses on um doesn't seem to concern her uh they end up going into labor and then we have the second appearance of geraldine and this is where the show really starts to get uh interesting for me is when geraldine comes back um and I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to recreate some of the spots of the show from my head here. So she, so she starts to plant seeds of, of, of. Well, I'm, I'm totally blanking here, and I hope that Steve actually edits some of this out because I'm trying to, to, he's gonna, to he's read gonna, it. He's going to have to now time. since you said it. I know exactly. Um, 
I, I had a thought in mind, and I'm trying to read this and get a, a breakdown of the show, and it just completely threw me off, and I'm blowing this here big time, so, so I apologize to Steve. Was your, was your thought somewhere along the lines that Geraldine comes in as kind of like the wacky neighbor friend, and they, they do a whole you know 70s sitcom-esque gag around Wanda not wanting to reveal that she's pregnant because it would break the spell of the illusion, you know, the illusion of normalcy. And then it takes a weird turn where she finds out Wanda's pregnant and then actually starts to step outside the role of the sitcom altogether. Yes, like that very, is exactly. a very steady progression of Geraldine in the show. That's exactly where I was going because they go through the trope of it's a the classic sitcom trope of the of trying to hide that the that the character's pregnant. At first it's kind of a meta joke that they're trying to hide the that the main character is pregnant uh, by hiding various objects in front of her giant belly. And then the show is really trying to hide that she's pregnant until it's no longer possible to do so. Uh, she goes into labor. Geraldine helps give birth. They have the, the two babies come out and Geraldine or, and Wanda, excuse me, starts to remember that she's also a twin. And what I find where, where the show is really starting to hook me in is they go, they switch between this the character is obviously part of a sitcom and even down to the aspect ratio of the show itself, your, your TV set is literally switching from a 16 by nine to the, to an, an old square TV set you know, aspect ratio is what it's shrinking down to. And the characters are speaking like they're sitcom versions. And then they switch to what is somebody who's not in the sitcom. And I find the, the, the tone of the show and it's it's unsettling the way these characters start talking to each other. And this is where the show is really starting to to draw me in. And Wanda starts to remember her brother Pietro, uh, starts to remember her life in Sokovia, and starts to remember, and as referenced specifically by Geraldine, that her brother was killed by Ultron. And that's when things really start to go awry in the show. What are your thoughts, Dave? Hitting the nail on the head, and it also gets into the, the you know, who is Geraldine and why is she there? And you have to juxtapose all this with the conversation Vision's having with two of the neighbors outside where they're like trying to say that she doesn't belong there without saying that she doesn't belong there. As if acknowledging this will break the spell, word intentionally chosen on my part, that mm -hmm. they're all under. It'll break the willing suspension of disbelief, if you will, that every character in Wanda's fictional New Jersey area is going through so we geraldine does kind of break through to wanda and then she's no longer there and we see later on at the end of the show that she has been expelled from some kind of weird other reality place and is now being swarmed upon by sword agents there is a theory that i i personally subscribe to geraldine is of course monica rambo uh the little girl from captain marvel all grown up now and that's, she, yeah, that's that's that it's a it's a spoiler alert, but it's been announced. So that's yeah. it's it's not a surprise to people who have paid any attention to the show going into it. And the the theory is that the helicopter that Wanda found in episode two was Monica Rambo's helicopter, that she flew that into the little reality bubble that Wanda's created for herself and crashed. And that was actually the noises that they heard in episode two. It wasn't the tree banging on the house. That was those were the noises that they heard. And once she was inside the illusion, she got incorporated into the illusion with everybody else. And that's why she's so confused in episode two, like she doesn't understand why she's there. 
that's why the neighbors say she doesn't have a home. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited by that. It reminds me of, and Greg, you're a big comic book geek, so I know I can have this conversation with you. But one of my favorite X-Men stories was uh, Chris Claremont, John Romita Jr., two-issue uh, Kulin Gath uh, storyline, where Kulin Gath is a sorcerer from Conan the Barbarian, actually. But he takes over Manhattan and creates this reality bubble around Manhattan that everything inside Manhattan is translated into a medieval time. So all the heroes are there. All the characters are there. It's just them as, you know, basically what if the Avengers lived in Game of Thrones times? You know, I am going to... Uh, I may have to turn in my nerd card on that one because I don't remember that story. When when was that... What era of X-Men... So if it's Chris Claremont, is it 80s? Is it 90s? Yeah, it's 80s. It's uh, X-Men like 190, 191, somewhere in there. You know, that... My my first purchases of X Men comics were in the late 190s, so that may have been just after, uh, or that just before. Excuse me, I actually started purchasing this, so I may have actually missed that story because I don't. I think that the actual, I think the first issue of X Men that I have in my collection is probably like 193, 194, around the time of the around the time of Secret Wars two. I think is when okay. is when I started collecting X Men comics. So that might be just before my time. So. so. So it has nothing to do with WandaVision. There's there's no no reference at all. It's just that's the thing I keep thinking of. Is there in the in this Chris Claremont storyline, there was a physical barrier, right? Mm-hmm. That was just kind of a little floating energy barrier. And on one side of it, you were Storm, leader of the X-Men. But if you cross through the barrier, you lose all your memories and perspective of who you are in today's world, and you're instantly transformed into a, a an equivalent of who you are except in these medieval times, complete well, with dress and weapons and, and everything. You say, you say it probably has nothing to do, but I think, that's, I think you can draw from that that it is an inspiration because we're obviously getting inspiration from the, the maxi series that we talked about, the 85 maxi series by Steve Englehart. There's a clear inspiration there in the, in the, from the, the babies that are born in the names. There's a clear inspiration for uh, House of M. Uh, and I think more of that is yet to be revealed. So uh, I think that has been the exciting thing about all of these MCU projects is they all kind of take stories that we recognize and and update them and make them something we can be surprised at coming out. So we don't know that this is just House of M being brought to life on the big screen or the small screen in this case. It is uh, it is enough of that story that we're familiar with it, but still surprised at the outcome. So I don't know that, that you saying it's irrelevant here. I don't know that that's I, I don't think you can say it's irrelevant because I think it it might be something that's clearly inspired where the storytellers are trying to take this. Maybe that's something that they also felt was something that's worthwhile and and will like to explore. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you may be onto something, Dave. I'm not gonna say it's irrelevant yet. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm not sure I'm onto something, but it's just, it reminds me of it. And even if it gets to the end of that's all I can say is, oh, it reminds me of this thing. It, all right. Exactly. So we get to the end of the tale, like you brought up there. Uh, Geraldine, Monica Rambeau, expelled from Westview. And you see that Westview is actually a real town. Um, instead of a fresh, shiny sign, it is a sign that is an obvious disrepair, uh, a town that is probably dying. And there are all of these uh barriers uh, look like fields that are keeping people from get, getting out of there and, the, and a huge government presence on the outside of the town again the aspect ratio switches back to a to a 
to a, a widescreen aspect ratio. We're in the real world, and you can see that there's plenty of people investigating what's going on. Now, my theory, and it, I, it may be completely wrong, but the, the feeling that I get at the end of this show is that Wanda Maximoff is the bad guy in this story, meaning she is the one who has created this, this whole dimension, and everybody's trying to figure out why. Now, whether it's being controlled and there's a, a real big bad behind the scenes or whether it's just her grief that's caused her to go crazy, kind of like in, in House of M, where the loss of her children causes her to go crazy and, and, and you know, destroyed 80, 90 percent of the mutant population that's out there remains to be seen. But I think this is leading up to, to Wanda Maximoff actually being the bad guy of the story and possibly being the bad guy of the next Doctor Strange movie as well. So I'm going to I'm going to take that one what maybe even one better. And I'm going to say why does it have to be one or the other? I am yeah. wondering if Wanda doesn't flip out go crazy cuz the commercials and again we have our our third commercial sequence here and again it's a reference to something traumatic in Wanda's Wanda's past mm-hmm. in in Hydra. Great Calgon reference by the way. That exactly. that that had both Christine and me chuckling. Exactly. But, so what if Wanda has flipped out and is processing grief that has really just been completely glossed over in the movies for all the traumatic things that have happened to her, which, by the way, was what led to her flipping out and becoming a villain in John Byrne's uh, Dark's, uh, Dark Scarlet Witch storyline and then Brian Michael Bendis's uh, Avengers Disassembled House of M. Like those three events all cascade and lead up to each other. Yeah. So what if that's what's happened here? But as the part of that, she's attracted the attention of some other big bads, you know, like a Mephisto or somebody like that. And they're like, oh, this is interesting. There could be some power to be gained here. Mm-hmm. So S.W.O.R.D. is there kind of investigating, hey, what's going on? We need to rescue our friend. And then suddenly in Act 2 or 3, Wanda, who is the villain that we think so far, or at least the hero in need of help, you've suddenly attracted a real big, big bad. And now things shift for the third act and the final confrontation. And our mm-hmm. heroes are having to battle a real big bad, and they may have to sacrifice their friend in order to defeat the big bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that takes us to the end. Uh, we are... Uh, I am on board with this show. I had a, a rocky start with this show. I, I wish instead of three episodes of sitcom references, I wish it was really more two. What I hear... From this point going forward, like all of the episodes have been fairly short, you know, and again, keep tying in with the sitcom theme about 30 minutes is I hear from here on out that the episodes will start to get longer. And you can I think we'll see I'm assuming we'll see more of a split between sitcom world and the real world. And so they pl- spend a little bit of time in both, what I, which I think will help flesh out what's going on in this mystery. Uh, but I'm on board with the series. Um, it's been a rocky start. I like where it's going. The series is is gaining more interest for me uh and i'm excited to see where it goes so i'm excited too i think you still have some more sitcom work coming because some of the trailers showed footage that i would say is clearly a roseanne reference from the 80s and i've seen a couple of pictures that's that look like full house yeah to me which would be not which would be 90s so i think we've got at least two more two more heavy sitcom episodes to go yeah we we do have the the scenes where uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch are clearly in their obvious comic book costumes in a Halloween type setting. So and, I, and, I, I think and that's Agnes what you see is, next week. 
And Agnes is in a witch's hat. Yeah, as, and and Agnes, of course, everybody thinks is going to be Agatha Harkness. We don't know that yet. Um, which I'm, which would kind of which would kind of make sense. And I'm sorry to interrupt. I really am. That's okay. That's okay. The one scene with Agatha, Agatha Harkness, like how her and the neighbor were kind of being cagey with Vision, like, hey, we want to say something, but we can't really say it. It mm-hmm. kind of suggested that Agnes is not as in on the illusion as a lot of these other supporting characters are. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. they kind of drove home. She she maybe doesn't doesn't belong. There's a wholesale creation of Wanda's imagination either. Yeah, you know, and and there's been you know you brought up Mephisto, and there's been several references to the devil yep. at this point, um, and Mephisto being the comic book representation of the devil, for lack of a better word. Um, so uh, you're you're onto something. Maybe maybe there's something there. She has she has kind of played the role as the as the devil on the shoulder of Wanda in some cases, and then there's the conversation she's having with Herb. Um, finding out what's going on with Geraldine being in, in Wanda's house during the birth of the children. So you may be onto something there as well. And I don't think that was Herb. I think the, the next door neighbor is somebody, somebody other than Herb. I don't think we've met her husband yet. No, Ralph is her husband. Ralph. Ralph, is her husband. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, that's that the neighbor, the neighbor is Herb. Um, uh, and, and he's obviously distressed to be there. You know, he starts to break out of it for a little while and it's it's Agnes, um, not Agatha yet. Agnes who snaps him back into it. So uh, I, we'll see. We'll see. It, his role is going up. Uh, as we start to wrap the show up, I'm I watched a couple of videos to kind of prep for for this morning. So I I was up early and I watched a couple of videos and there was one that that referenced a spoiler alert that I'm not going to mention here because it hasn't been brought up the show yet, uh, but. The I will say if this is true, it is universe shattering. So what is it may actually break the internet? <laughs> it's not going to break the internet in a Kim Kardashian way, but it will change the MCU as we know it. And I I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. If it comes to pass, we'll see. But uh, I, my recommendation to people and and. This, this is why I bring this up as there's a potential universe-shattering moment is because it, it apparently has already been spoiled in the credits of the show. So if you are, if you are not interested in having the, 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 the end of this show or, the, or one of the climaxes of the show spoiled, don't watch the credits. And it's not an end credit scene. It's actually something in the credits. So you're not missing a scene by reading through the credits. It is a... It is a, a, a notice in the credits of something to come. So just be so, wary. <laughs> so l- let me let me ask you this, and I'll, we'll have to talk about this more off camera because I'm super intrigued now. Um, mm-hmm. But separate and distinct from that, the Emma Caulfield character on here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you a Doctor Strange fan at all of the comic books? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I, I am a little bit as well. But uh, it has been pointed out, and I'm mad I didn't notice this myself, but... Her character looks a lot like Clea. She does. She does. Right? Like, I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't put that together just now until you're just now mentioning it. So, yeah, she does. She's got that white blonde hair. Yeah. Very close. Very close. And, of course, Wanda's going to be in the next Doctor Strange movie. That's already been announced. So, yeah. Um, that would make sense. That would make sense. So, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, 
like I said, there, there. Even if there is not this, this what it, what might be the spoiler does not come to pass. Um, there are clearly going to be some ramifications for the universe going forward. Uh, the show is getting better for me. It is still not the, the what was the Mandalorian, but I am definitely coming back next week to see what happens. I, I am too. I stand by what I said earlier, which is uh, my final you know ranking of this show is going to depend on what the mystery is that they're paying off yeah yeah and this and when i sent the message over to steve last week i i almost wish i would have waited to watch the show all at once because this is one show i don't feel has been better served by doling it out piece by piece each week um but that being said i will be back uh, as will you i'm sure as we come back for episode 179 of the wretched hive and talk about episode four of one or, or 178 really who knows we're Nobody. just trying to make we're just trying to make steve's job difficult at this guys point. math is hard math is hard so we, we have proven that on this show time and again all right we'll see you guys all next week have a good day have a good day bye-bye